right. Perfect. Well, welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob with a longtime uh, member of the team, but uh, really first official time as co-wrangler, B. How's it going, B? Hello. I'm just here hanging with my cat and whatnot. <laughs> doing, doing, the, doing the good work, hanging with the cat, hanging with Dwayne. Yes. We've already Somebody seen him to today, which is good. I saw a Dwayne's Instagram today about how we should tax churches, and I fully support Dwayne's message of the day. Yeah, uh, Dwayne. Dwayne is a democratic socialist cat, and he's going to start putting more of that stuff on his Instagram. It's good that I like it. He's he's taking a stand. Dwayne is yeah. taking a stand. It's important. It is very important. And the other voice that, that you all hear is uh, uh, one of our longtime friends and who's also the director of Make the Road Nevada, Leo Marietta. Leo, it is wonderful to see you. Hi, everybody. Hola. It's uh, it's always nice to see friendly faces on these Zooms because um, we're seeing a lot of faces on Zooms and some of them aren't friendly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is that's, true. That is not good. That is not good. <laughs> I fortunately now I'm seeing all the unfriendly and friendly faces in person. So uh, for, oh, work, for work, at least for work, at least where I mask people where I mm. for the love of God. Yes. Uh, so um, Leo, we, we've been talking about having you on for a while. Uh, and, and obviously we know we're still in the midst of this pandemic, despite whether or not people in Las Vegas think we are. We know we're still in the midst um, of this, and we don't even know if the worst is yet to come. So we wanted to have you on to talk about the work of your organization during this time. Um, but for our listeners uh, who may not be aware of your organization, if you want to give us just a brief like introduction to Make the Road Nevada. Yeah, so and thank you for having me on. Thank you for having us on. Um, so my name is Leo Maria. I'm the executive director of Make the Road here in Nevada. and we as an organization we've been on the ground for about three years but our organizing actually started in earnest in the aftermath of the october 1st shooting um so obviously it was a big moment big tragedy for our community but what was going on behind the scenes was that there were about 120 undocumented support staff who were also working the event and i'm actually thankful like b was there to help us um, in the aftermath and these workers with the next morning when they went to uh, the convention center to receive assistance, like everyone else, every other survivor of the shooting, they were turned away by law enforcement, many of whom experiencing racial slurs, uh, law enforcement, cops asking these people, what are a bunch of Mexicans doing at a country music concert? And they turned them away and they sent them to a bilingual mental health agency for assistance. And that's when Make the Road stepped in uh, we were basically there the day after the shooting, working with partners in the community, some folks that you've had on, like Ashford Silva, Juan Ortega, uh, a number of others, like I mentioned, B was there too, helping us out. Um, we worked to help collect resources for these undocumented survivors, and we also worked with them to work through their trauma and start telling their stories because we wanted to get them on a path to a U visa, which is a visa for victims of crime. and. In order to get those approved, you have to work with law enforcement. So our sheriff, Sheriff Joe Lombardo, is required by law to approve uh, U visa applications. It's part of his responsibility as law enforcement. And so he refused to do that. And he also refused to meet with the undocumented survivors for over eight months after the wow. shooting. So we started working with this group of survivors roughly October 2nd, October 3rd. And we weren't able to secure a meeting with Sheriff Lombardo to hear their stories as survivors of the mass shooting until June 12th. What a shame. Oh my God. So, but the only reason why that happened, why that meeting happened, was because of how Make the Road organizes. Um, so these survivors ended up becoming our founding members of our organization. Um, so we're a really high touch model. Um, we're also membership led and membership driven. Um, so here in Southern Nevada, we have over 7,000 members, um, the majority of whom are people of color, they're women, they're immigrant women who are older, um, they're above 45. We also have a gigantic population of young members. They're part of our Youth Power Project. Mm -hmm. So this is people under, you know, under college age. Um, and so 
we had worked with um, this group of survivors to really give them the skills, the resources, the training, and the knowledge that they needed to build campaigns and to build strategy and to learn how to tell their stories in a way that uplifted their message and also got attention for their struggle and for their plight. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we were able to count on the support of some of our friends in North Las Vegas, uh, North Las Vegas City Councilman Isaac Barone helped uh, this group of survivors get a meeting with Sheriff Joe Lombardo because we couldn't get one, I couldn't get one. And so when that meeting came, uh, we had learned that the U visa system at uh, Metro was completely outdated and basically not staffed. So the sheriff was forced to revamp how he and the department handles U visas because of the mass shooting. And when we walked into that meeting, uh, we had basically built so much community pressure with all the stories and all the media asking law enforcement questions as to why law enforcement had not met with these survivors of the shooting. And he walked into that meeting having approved 41 of their applications. So over 100 of the 120 plus had applied uh, for U visas through many uh, service providers here in town. Uh, and he had already approved and signed 41 of them wow. by the time that we had met with our meeting. And it had only happened like a week prior. But these folks, our members, the people who are most directly impacted, they built a campaign that taught them to tell their stories taught them to speak to people in power, and we helped them learn how to advocate for themselves because we believe at Make the Road that our members and people in the community can create their own solutions if we, if we offer the support, the skills, and the guidance that they need in order to make things happen. And we've worked with our members since then to create real solutions, whether that's at home, in their workplace, in their school, or when talking to like a state legislator or a U.S. Senator. Um, we want to make sure that every person in this community, specifically Latinx, immigrant, working class, people of color in this community, have a right to advocate for themselves, to create solutions for their for themselves, their families. And we advocate for, you know, for people in power to pay attention, to the rest of the community and so that's how we started um, that was our first campaign and that's that was that was us that was how we first launched in this community and we have tried our best to stick to our our morals and our principles of member-led member-driven um, since the beginning so now um, when we first started we were a tiny organization of three staff and we had about you know a dozen members until we started ballooning up with our Route 91 folks. And so now we're sitting at 7,000 plus members. And that takes us to um, over the years, Make the Road has done um, quite a few things in this community. Um, so Make the Road Nevada is our 501c3. Mm -hmm. And Make the Road Action in Nevada is our 501c4. And our so our Make the Road Action is our sister organization that our members use to express their political desires. Mm -hmm. So this organization, which is separate from Make the Road Nevada, uh, this organization, Make the Road Action, in the 2018 cycle, uh, we decided to take on, our members decided to take on a really racist school board member, school board trustee, if folks remember, his name is Kevin Child. He was so, my trustee in my district, yeah. I remember yep. him very well. He's a great guy, uh, and for those listening, that's very much sarcasm. So our members took on a, a almost completely volunteer campaign to knock on doors, to make phone calls, and to make sure that uh, the endorsed candidate that we wanted, which was Irene Cepeda, won office. And so Irene Cepeda won that election by over 30 points. So we smashed Kevin Child and smashed his career. And then uh, she became one of the first Latinas, the first of two Latinas at the same time mm -hmm. to ever become elected to the CCSD School Board of Trustees. So uh, Irene Cepeda and uh, Linda Cavazos became the two first Latinas to ever win an election to the school board. Um, wow. Intense that it happened in 2018. Right. That in is. Las so, Vegas. Like this here. Is, wow. Yep. If you so, were to like that happened in Arkansas, I would believe you, but like. In a school district that's the fifth largest in the nation, where 50% of the kiddos sitting in kindergarten classes, when they're able to sit in them, are Hispanic and Latinx, 
we just barely elected the first representative. We've had representatives, but we hadn't elected them. So mm. that was 2018. We did a whole lot of things, mobilized a lot of voters. And then in 2019, uh, our members spearheaded efforts in the state to increase the state's minimum wage. We helped, our members helped, working class people, immigrant mothers helped pass the state's increase in minimum wage to $12 an hour. They also spearheaded an effort to tell their stories and organize over a thousand of our members to mobilize to the legislative session in 2019 to pass the state's first earned paid sick days laws, which uh, offered opportunities for tens of thousands of Nevadans to have earned paid sick days for the first time ever in our state. Wow. And all of that was won by our members. And the, the Youth Power Project also in 2019 mobilized uh, hundreds of, I think 200 of their youth members to advocate for restorative justices within uh, Clark County School District. And they won. Mm. We won restorative justice policies and we're fighting for those now and the implementation of those. At the same time, as we were in that session, we were also running a campaign to challenge um, Ruben Kewen and uh, support Olivia Diaz for city council. Mm. So our members uh, who remember, again, we are majority women, majority immigrant women, majority older women. Uh, our members made the decision that sexism and sexual harassment and sexual assault have no place in politics. And we also decided that uh, we would be endorsing Olivia Diaz in the race because of her stance on the community, because of the work that she's done, because of her leadership uh, in the legislature. And that was an uphill battle because he was a sitting former congressman with hundreds of thousands of dollars in his tool chest or war chest. Right. And Olivia had significantly less, but she had people power. Mm -hmm. And so our organization, I think along with one or two other partners, but it was our members knocking on doors, making phone calls. We made sure that we elected Olivia Diaz to be the first Latina elected to the Las Vegas City Council in history. She beat uh, she beat a former sitting congressman in the primary, and she beat a downtown business darling in the general. Right. Um, and so it was tough, but we won. And fast forward to 2020, and our organization uh, made a decision that progressive politics was the way of the way to progress, the way to success. We made a, we drew a line in the sand that said Medicare for all is what our communities need. Mm -hmm. Medicare for all is the priority for so many families because healthcare is inaccessible and out of reach for too many. And we made a decision to endorse as a family, uh, Bernie Sanders for president. And the establishment and the rest of the progressive movement in this state really seemed to line up behind Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. uh, even the candidates began to line up behind Joe Biden. But our organization, in conjunction with a bunch of other grassroots partners, uh, mobilized Latinos to go vote. And as folks know, this was a major fight. This was the establishment, the national democratic establishment against Bernie Sanders and the progressive left. And in the state of Nevada, there are quite a few organizations who can count themselves on the progressive left, but Make the Road Action was the only one to endorse Bernie Sanders, other than our labor partners, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, our labor, uh, you know, we were one of the only organizations to put boots on the ground and make sure that Bernie Sanders won. And yeah, we were active a lot, of, over... a lot of organizations just kept quiet. Yeah. A lot of people just like never endorsed anybody. Yeah. Correct. Wait, and hold on. I need to like make I need to stop you because like um all the hairs in my arms are like up. I'm about to fall off my chair over here. So this is the, your members, make the Road Nevada members are people that have jobs, probably more than one job. Oh yeah. Yeah. They the have majority families, they have Absolutely. like probably like you know, com their community life and they are doing this work. And like, yeah. that's just amazing to me. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, sometimes I'm tired after like a day of work and, and here they are, they're like showing up. So around how many, like what's the ratio of, of time that a volunteer, a member will put into the organization in let's say a month? Well, I mean, it's really easy. Honestly, uh, engagement with our organization can be as easy as like watching one of our like virtual town halls or virtual meetings and just staying informed uh you could give us maybe an hour of your time once a month to watch our meetings stay informed just follow us on instagram and you can consider yourself part of the make the road family 
Um, but if folks would want to, we have a lot of opportunities where they can give 20 minutes of their time talking to one or two people about the importance of X, Y, or Z, right? Like right now we're talking about you know, the pandemic resources. We're also talking about the special legislative session. Mm-hmm. So folks could give us 20 minutes, half an hour, or they could give us a lot more. Uh, we have members who we see once a month. We have members that we see every single day. Wow. Um, it's really, a, our organization is open to folks who want to learn, who want to grow, who want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves and with whatever time they have. This is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. During the pandemic, uh, we have relied on our members so heavily. Um, So like I mentioned, we have a base of 7,000 people here. Um, During the pandemic, we've expanded our outreach. And so right now, thanks to the help of our members, uh, we are currently engaging 34,000 households in Southern Nevada throughout this pandemic. And we have been talking with them since the beginning of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And we have been working to assess their needs, connect them to resources, make sure that their families are well, uh, explain to them what policies are happening, and of course, invite them to our meetings to learn more about current events and politics and really what's happening with the state and how things are going. And so our members, um, we yeah, it's a lot. Uh, we, we have been talking to so many people and every single day we're talking to hundreds of people hearing how they're doing hearing how they're suffering and how so many of them are suffering silently so the work that we're doing to reach out to them and connect them to resources for many at the beginning of this pandemic we were the only people they were talking to no one else like many people are living alone so many people are single in this community they live in they live by themselves they don't have a family or they're just here by themselves in vegas right we're so transient Mm -hmm. so many of these folks when we would call them every week would be one of the only conversations that they've had with other people wow and so it's so important during this pandemic that we connect and we just say hello and we just check in and so we've been doing that with over 34,000 families here in the south um and we're we we continue doing it it's it's only getting bigger the need only continues to grow right wow well and and i know um i was reading this weekend that uh particularly in our community the the hardest hit community is the latinx hispanic both for um obviously loss of jobs but then also covid infection rates um and so how are you know how are you all you know working on that and then you know what sort of resources are out there for folks that maybe like maybe haven't heard of you know what's available to them yeah so the first thing that i can say is that make the road org, or you can find us on facebook instagram twitter TikTok. uh they can find our website we have what's called a resources page mm-hmm. that we work with a really wide net of uh, service providers and community partners to try to keep this up to date as up to date as possible. Um, and if they're like folks can DM us on social media, if they just, if they need something, okay. uh, currently we're doing, uh, webinars on unemployment insurance to we're doing one. So today is Thursday that we're doing this, uh, podcast today, right now, actually mm-hmm. literally right now, make the road is hosting, uh, a, uh, unemployment insurance webinar to help people who have questions about where is their application? How can I apply? We have so many people who still haven't applied for unemployment because they didn't think they were eligible. Mm. So, uh, you know, now- Do y'all record the the webinars? Like, are they available afterwards? Yeah, so we send them out. um, I believe we just finished our first one. So this is our second one. We do put it on our social media uh, so that folks can check it out. Um, I believe it just takes a while to like upload and stuff, but yeah. Uh, we we have them on there. Folks need to catch up, but if they need assistance, they can reach out immediately to us on Facebook. Send us a message, slide into our DMs, and let us know. Uh, we're happy to help. We're always watching our social media. There's like eight of us watching our social media, especially during the pandemic, just because we want to make sure that we don't miss anyone. Right. And this is the people looking for resources. What about the people that have resources and want to help out? How how can they help make the road Nevada? Absolutely. So some of the things that we're doing right now, um, this, we just launched our own private immigrant relief fund today. 
Um, we haven't been talking about it very widely um, because we don't have a ton of money, uh, but we were able to raise uh, $30,000 locally here in the community and with partners all across the country to um, from small donors to provide direct cash assistance to the most vulnerable communities. And so uh, Make the Road today uh, launched our, actually yesterday, we launched our uh, immigrant relief fund. So we are providing $300 to 100 families here in Southern Nevada as part of our private fund um, because the need is really great. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, we have this unemployment system that doesn't capture everyone. You know, un- right. un- undocumented workers make up 10% of Nevada's workforce. And that means 10% of Nevada's workforce is uneligible for unemployment insurance when situations like these cripple our economy right. and unfortunately that happens every 10 years right so every 10 years undocumented people in this state are left high and dry and so although right 300 dollars to 100 families isn't going to solve you know a problem but it's going to help mm-hmm. um the resources that if folks wanted to give um we do have like they can if they have money to give they can donate to our um, our relief fund, we're going to be launching that really soon. They can just go to our social media. They can go to our website. Uh, but also, if you are, if you have services, if you have skills, if you have some sort of expertise that you want to offer the community, reach out. Go to our social media. Send us a message. Shoot us an email. It's info at Make the Road NV, or uh, you can talk to us. We always check our social media. Um, if folks want to give, if folks want to be part of our organization in any capacity, reach out to us on social media and I guarantee you someone will get back to you. Yeah. I mean, as far as local organizations, I know, um, I mean, I follow plenty on social media and there's no other organization that's been as active on social media during the pandemic as you all. Like there's no question, Um, which is, which is amazing from your standpoint, but then also it's very disappointing with our community where there's not that engagement, um, you know, the engagement of, of engaging people in, in any yeah. way. Um, so I, th- I think that's been, that's been really evident, at least from my perspective. I think that speaks a lot about the organization and how yeah. it's like very heavily, like, um, it, like it's, it's a community in itself. Uh, and I think we're missing that just on the national level, like, I don't know my neighbors, you know, like, and it's, that's where it comes, you know, when in times of need, that's what, who you have to rely on if you don't have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, it really shows how, how the members like, like are there for each other and um, are just moving and shaking and like looking for solutions. So I think it really does like show the strength of the organization. We, we went from seeing our members multiple times a week, sometimes three, four, five times a week, to not seeing them yeah. overnight. And for us, you know, for us as an organization, that was really hard because our members are really vulnerable. And, you know, they're, they're folks who, um, they're folks who often get overlooked and whose voices are often silenced, especially when times of crisis happen. And as an organization, we've been, honestly, we've been drinking from a fire hose since this pandemic started. And I know every other organization in the C3 world is feeling the same way. Um, But for us, this pandemic really meant having to change what it meant to have community because our members became their only friends. Like we have so many like singles, right? We have so many singles and we have so many just older folks who are just living alone. And they went from having a community every single week. They could come to our office Monday through Thursday. They could get dinner every single day. Mm. And many of them did. Many of them came (laughs) just to eat. And that's fine. I don't care. I'll feed you. But they grew a community. And this virus, this pandemic really forced them to find ways to go it alone. And so we've been also talking with our members throughout this pandemic about how are you doing and finding ways to get them engaged and involved, training them on Zoom. Uh, Listen, y'all, you don't know the struggle until you've had to train 
a lot, a lot, a lot of tech, uh, tech inexperienced uh, individuals. <laughs> um, you know, if if you think right now handling a conference call and, you know, people don't mute themselves right away, right? You hear all that racket in the background. It's like, oh my gosh, there's always one. This is every, all, this is all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's all of them. Yeah. But it's okay. You know, yeah. that was us at the beginning of the pandemic. You couldn't hear anybody. Everyone was talking. Nobody's on damn you. We didn't know how to work Zoom. Right. Upgraded account. <laughs> oh, shoot. My min- my meeting's done in 40 minutes. Oh, no. Right. You know, like, yeah. but it's okay. Um, <laughs> we have started to piece together how pandemics work. Um, and we're writing stuff down. So the next time this happens, we kind of know what yeah. we did. Oh, that's good. That's, that's, <laughs> I feel like not enough people do that. So that is, that is a big, that's a, that's definitely something I think will be very important. Um, <laughs> I, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the special legislative session. So, um, you know, while we're, re- and we'll, we'll be releasing this shortly after recording, we're going to release it on Monday. Um, but so, so the legislative session will most likely still be going on and we may have another special session. Um, uh, what, what are, what are you all working on right now, um, with the special session or at least the current special session that we've got going on? Yeah. So what we've been pressing up to legislators and elected officials, um, is, are the issues that we've been pressing, uh, during the pandemic and before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are really interested in, ensuring, I mean, we had a primary election during a pandemic and we did a survey of uh, 55,000 young people and we got a number of responses and folks were waiting, like we had 26% of respondents to us said that the lines were too long so they didn't vote. So we had people, we had, I think it was, um, I don't have, I have it right, uh, hold on, I can look at it right now. Uh, because we did our survey and we have this poll and we have it here and let's see. So how long did people wait? Uh, We had 8% waited anywhere between two to longer than three hours to vote. Oh my God. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's 8% of the the youth electorate. Right. 26% of the youth electorate didn't vote because the line was too long. And yeah. So, I mean, two to three hours just doesn't seem long when you compare it to like Georgia. You know? But like, the great thing about, like, the reality is, is that shouldn't happen. Right? No, it shouldn't. And so every the 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 thing that drives me crazy every general election, every November, you'll see Democrats and you'll see the media, you'll see everybody lining up at Cardenas over on the east side for the last day of voting. And everyone's so excited on the last day of early vote that the line is so long, it wraps around the grocery store, but that's not okay. That's mm-hmm. a barrier to entry. Right. I don't have three hours to vote. I have to go feed my kids, go to work, do all the things that I need to do in my life. I can't wait three hours to vote. Mm-hmm. So we're really interested in ensuring that cuts to the Secretary of State's office don't impact our elections because this November we're going to need a more sophisticated process for how people can participate. Um, So we're we're definitely advocating for protections of our elections. We're also making sure that we're fighting for tenants and housing protections in this session. Then we're also supporting organizations like PLAN uh, as they battle on revenue uh, in the session. Um, So it's, it's a big fight and Realistically, we need legislators right now to think big and to be bold. Uh, the last time, uh, when, um, this was a few years ago, was it 2017? The, the legislature came together to give the Raiders hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. All I'm asking is that legislators pretend that Nevada's working families are a professional sports team so that they can bail us out too. Right, hell yes, yeah. Yeah, it seems easy. Let's just put some helmets on. Let's put some helmets on babies and say they're a team. Maybe they'll give them money. Right. Very true. I think that's it's a good. This is a good campaign. There's pictures of of children with with helmets on. Yeah. <laughs> but with no concussions. Right. No concussions. Good. No. I no. Yeah. Money. Yeah. It was I think seven hundred and fifty million dollars. So I mean, round it up. It's a billion dollars that we gave to 
a professional sports team owned by a billionaire. Right. And our our budget deficit today is 1.2 billion. That's only five hundred thousand dollars, five hundred million dollars more right. than what we gave the Raiders. Damn it! If only we should have given that money. If only we would have thought a little bit bigger right. and a little bit more about hardworking Nevadans who are really struggling to get by pre-pandemic. Right. Pre-pandemic, we had people arguing and fighting with their landlords to, to pray to get medications out of their home when they get evicted. Th this isn't okay. This isn't the community that the rest of us signed up for. And so right. what we're doing is making sure that ordinary people, people who are hella going through it, they have an option, they have a voice to legislators. So on our social, like we've got information about how to contact your legislator, reach out to us. If, you, if you're really pissed about what the hell's going on, then great. We want you to be upset, but we want you to talk to the people who need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so if you reach out to us, we'll connect you to the people you should be angry with. So that's the way it should work. Yeah. yeah. I like it. <laughs> Representative democracy. Who would have thought? Right. And in a state where we are we have so much access to our elected officials, which, you know, we've heard for time and time again from whether it's been guests on the podcast or just people we've talked to, like we have the ability to access our legislature, our state legislature here so much easier than basically anywhere else in the country. Um, and so our voices do make it actually will and do make a difference because we can actually you know, call up our state legislature. Um, earlier in the pandemic, we had Howard Watts on, and he's like, when you call that number on the website that goes to my phone, I answer it. And I'm like, yep. Great. <laughs> As it should be. I mean, but not everywhere is that way. So, uh, you know, I think that's, a, that's, that's, you know, something we can do. So that's awesome. And if, if somebody's struggling with it, yeah, contact you. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And part of like, I know a lot of people right now are surviving off of the extra $600 that mm -hmm. unemployment has been giving them federally. And through our unemployment uh, insurance webinars, folks can get engaged. If that $600 means something to you, if that means making it or not, we really need you to get in contact with us because we want your story lifted up. We want politicians to listen to you. I don't want them to hear me. I I am nothing but another brick in the wall. I am here to help. So if folks, if if that extra $600 helps your family in any way and losing that would be a detriment or cause harm to your to your life, reach out because we want to know and we want to hear from you specifically. Great. And we'll make sure to put that information to all of your, the contact information in the show notes too um, and post it on our socials. So I Thank think you. that's, yeah, that's really what would you say is like the number one thing that you guys teach the community that we should know already? You know, what's the what's the most important thing that you're like, dang, this is so basic. Why didn't we learn this in high school? Why don't we, you know, why is this information not accessible before? Okay, so some real talk. Um, so one of the biggest things is financial literacy. Um, I know it's random, but undocumented folks and people who choose to be unbanked, there are people who choose to be unbanked um, because they don't like big banks or whatever the case is, but primarily uh, unbanked populations are either very low income or they're immigrant undocumented, don't have access to them. Um, we have over the past year, two years, had a series of conversations with members about you know, what does this mean? What does saving mean? How is that possible? It's, it sounds, it feels so difficult for someone who's low income to even save a penny. But the reality is like having conversations with people about smart decisions uh, with their finances and specifically what things to stay away from. Payday loans are the death of immigrants. Yeah. Payday loans are the death of black people. Payday loans are the death of poor people. And so, they, we are trying as hard as we can with our youth uh, and with our general membership to talk to them about, you know, don't get in this in this lane. If you need help, there's other alternatives, there's other programs, that kind of stuff. So just trying to help people through that. That's, it's one of the more random things. Um, Is it possible to create a campaign to outlaw cash 
what it, what are they Pay called? Payday loans. Because they, they, that happened in Arkansas when I, mm-hmm. in my past life, I used to be a financial counselor at a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And during my, during that lifetime, <laughs> Arkansas, where I used to live, um, they outlawed um, payday loans. And it was wonderful. And it was just like amazing to see how, how it transformed the community, just not having them available. And there were still like places that would take take advantage of people. But when they would come to me, I'd be like, oh, well, they thought they were smart, but you don't have to pay them back. And this is the template letter that you need to send them because otherwise, awesome. yeah, otherwise they like, like they can't win. And it was like, it, that was one of the, the things that, that I saw, like it just makes such a huge yeah. Oh, listen, you're absolutely right. And there's precedent out there that shows exactly what you're saying, that the, the sky will not fall. We will not suffer as a community. The only ones that are going to suffer are the wealthy corporate landlords. Of these them. Companies. Yeah. And I'm quite frankly, okay, if they don't have these companies anymore, I'm 100% okay. I'm sure they will be fine. Yeah. They've been making like, a ridiculous amount on interest absolutely yeah honestly two of the like um so when we talk about these predatory practices what at make the road like we try to weave together um and explain to people systems of oppression Mm. and we try to open folks's eyes to the intersectionality of everything of all these issues of all of us and what we have been doing um, is what we've seen is there's a super strong connection between housing insecurity, unemployment, and um, you know zip codes, poverty, all these things. Like we're this pandemic has shown and exposed the system mm-hmm. for either its perfection and working how it's supposed to, or for its broken state. Mm-hmm. I think that really depends on which side of the coin you want to look at it from. Right. And so talking to people about, um, I would say people walk away from Make the Road learning that learning new things is powerful. That they, even in small ways, can do something. Something that creates positive change. It doesn't matter how small. It doesn't matter how big, but it's something. And we try to just reinforce people that the strongest ally you have is yourself. And if you need more, we're here. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And of course, I mean, we know, I mean, we, we all know that understanding those systems of oppression is, has, has been important, but I think now, you know, it's, it really is coming to, uh, people that have been able, have had the privilege to ignore it for so long, now can't be ignoring that. Um, it's almost, right now, I mean, you have to try to ignore it. It's got to be an active, you know, an active decision to ignore it when before, you know, you could, you know, particularly folks like myself could get away with not paying attention to it. But now you have to intentionally ignore it. And, um, you know, I think my, my hope is that we become, we, we work to become a better society uh, knowing that, um, I go through, I go through moments when, uh, <laughs> when I don't believe that, that we won't do it, mm-hmm. but, but you know, I still, I definitely still have hope. Yeah. So. I think like, um, one of the things that's been most difficult for our organization, and I'll be honest as an activist and as someone who's been in the movement for social justice for 13 years now, mm-hmm. um, I did not have the vocabulary in Spanish to have an in-depth and concrete conversation about Black Lives Matter and white supremacy Mm. and police brutality. Um, The uprisings that have been taking place all across the country have really, really turned a mirror on Latinx and immigrant orgs who don't see blackness and black lives in their organizations or their messaging or their work. And we had to, I had to look in the mirror and just accept that we have been 
we have been absent as, as a movement, as a people, from too much of this fight for Black liberation. And talking to my members who are undocumented, you know, these folks fear the police anyway, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're not here for the cops. Um, so they can understand police brutality. They can understand that we have so much common ground as people of color. And working through anti-Blackness in Latinx communities, working against colorism in Latinx communities and immigrant households is one of the hardest things I think we've had to do, but it's also one of the most rewarding things that we've done as an organization because we are primarily Latinx. We do have Afro-Latinx members as well, and obviously like we're here for them, and there's a whole bunch of um, uh, black immigrants from all over the world who come here and need assistance from organizations like ours. But very often we're so we're so brown and so exclusively brown and not diverse that it feels exclusive. And so our organization has been working really hard over the past, well, since the, I think June 1st, since before June 1st to really have an inward conversation with our members, our member leaders, and really stamp out white supremacy. Um, as people of color, uh, people of color lead our organization, but we've learned this system of white supremacy and these acts of white supremacy. So we've been trying to un- untangle them from our organization and dislodge them from our behavior, from our messaging, from our, our vocabulary. And it's hard, but it's so important. Uh, it's been a hundred and today, July 9th, uh, the day before my birthday, it has been 118 days since Breonna Taylor was murdered and her, her killers are still free. Right. And people all over, people of color, immigrants, people who know what it feels like to fear their, their loved ones never coming back from incarceration. We know what that means. We know what injustice feels and looks like. And this is wrong. And so we've been pushing for locally for the school district to defund their police department because they pay $21 million to punish children. And I think I have the data, y'all. I have the data. Um, We had- Isn't that where we can like fix the budget? (laughs) Girl, yes. They got $21 million and they don't have to Like, like, this is how we fix the state budget. We need to like take it away from the- Everybody can do something. Right. CCSD looking at you. That's right. <laughs> that's 21 million. We don't yeah. even have to worry about. Bam. That's then. It then. Is. Now imagine how much money each of the school districts across all of the counties have. Right. In law enforcement dollars. What could that total? How could that help the state budget? Who knows? And we're over here hating on the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> But if, if there's something that I have learned is that when you work towards like black liberation and, and like a just, a just, just justice for immigrants, you help everybody. Yep. When we protect our most vulnerable, you, we all like come out better. Right. Yep. That's what we, we need to be doing this work. Yeah. But we, um, I don't know, uh, Jake is keeping the time, but I know yeah. that we are getting close to that. But so Leo, to finish it up, what, what's giving you hope right now? Is there something that you're reading or watching on TV or some conversations that you're having? What's giving you hope? So um, I'm gonna talk about what gives me hope uh, by talking through what, uh, what I'm walking through in order to get to that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, right now, I am, I myself am the executive director to 17 staff with 7,000 members. And their, their struggles weigh really heavy uh, on me, especially during this pandemic. Uh, my family, we have family here in Vegas, in Mexico and in New York City. And so this pandemic has been very stressful. And uh, I'm a person who, you know, typically I'm a social person. I like being around people. And so isolation has been really hard on my mental health and my physical health. Um, Staring at screens for 12 hours a day, six days a week is really hard to do uh, when you already have vision problems. Um, But um, listening to struggles of my members and my staff and trying to find solutions for them um, 
and well, at the same time trying to breathe and think about my own health and myself uh, throughout is is a struggle. Um, so you know, working in this sector during this pandemic uh, is is really hard. You know, because um, we're trying to do the best we can, and there's only so much we can do. But um, this virus, as it gets closer to us, uh, and members start getting sick, and they have started getting sick, and they're getting ill, and workers are getting sick, and workers are dying. Um, we, you know, I, I'll use I statements. Um, I am taking next week off. Um, I, I'm blessed to work at an organization that allows me to create space for my mental health and for my, my physical health. Um, and so I'm taking advantage of it. Um, for right now, that is my ripcord. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to breathe or relax or calm down. Uh, since March 6th. And so uh, I'm taking this opportunity um, to recharge, to recenter myself. I, I look at social media with my friends all across the country and I talk to ordinary people on a daily basis just to try to get some inspiration that people are good. And I know they are. And so uh, hearing my family ask questions um, about why shouldn't I say all lives matter? Um, hearing people talk about what's happening and like starting to get it, starting to get the like, yo, police are out of control. Mm -hmm. This is, this is insane. People are allowed to die because they're poor, because they can't afford health insurance. Like none of this makes sense. And even despite that, knowing that people acknowledging that that's not right, like starting to see a shift in the tide of awareness and breaking down and breaking away from apathy, that gives me hope. Um, these little moments of seeing good friends, you know, on Zoom, you know, that gives me hope. So, and then a week off is also gonna give me plenty of hope. <laughs> good. That's so sorry, I, I hate to cry, I'm sorry. No, no, that's... That is a okay. There's, you you know you know that we don't have a problem with that, and I specifically don't. I think we've we've cried together on multiple occasions, Leo. This is a okay. Um, you've cried side tears. You've cried <laughs> tears of joy. You've cried because you've been laughing at dad jokes. Yes, <laughs> I know y'all both are fans of those. Very true. Dad Even back to our good old days of um, medio litro and lechuza. That's right. Remember that we are nothing. <laughs> we we are outside. we are nothing outside. That is. Uh... <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jacob Murdoch, uh, myself, and a ragtag group of our dear friends created a band, a musical band, uh, five years ago mm. to four, six years ago. Um, that had multiple names <laughs> and myself and uh, former Las Vegas Arlene Rivera were the lead singers and mm -hmm. Jacob played a um, plethora of instruments um, and we, <laughs> we were a yeah literally and we were the opening act at the uh, 2014 Celebrando Hispanic mm -hmm. Music Festival Celebrando and we were the opening act for La Santa Cecilia yeah which is awesome. Multiple Grammy Award winning. <laughs> so if you didn't know that, right? Jacob is cool, and I'm kind of cool too. Outside of outside of work, right? You're both very cool. And I mean, the theme song that that everyone will hear on the podcast was you know created by uh, bass guitar slash producer extraordinaire Jose Sotelo of also of Lechusa. Medio Litro fame. So, you know, they're getting a little taste of, of what that could have been. The band that could have, we could have been big. Could have been. And don't forget, Ashley was my uh, my first, our, our first co-singers for our first gig. Right. That's right. Don't forget that. And the, I never get that. tired of this Lechuza story. <laughs> I was drinking a Coke. Uh, oh, damn, I don't have the bottle. But I had a Medio Litro. I had a Coke and I was like, oh. <laughs> every every time I like I have gone to anywhere and seen the Medio Litro, I think about the band too. I'm just like, oh, 
such a such a precious time or see an owl too i have like an owl that sits on my uh, that's <gasps> on my bathroom mirror and that's every time like and it's from that time it was from that's not scary i mean it's like a cartoon halloween owl it is okay not, okay. i mean it that's is not what came scary. to my <laughs> it's like three feet tall right on his corner <laughs> I, I was like oh that's the stuff from my like nightmare oh, right <laughs> Big old eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dios. Uh, well, Leo, it has been it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the information, and um, you know, it is just it's so great to see you. I was looking forward to today uh, because it has been. I mean, it's been extra long because I didn't see you uh, for a while before the pandemic, and so this is this has been this has been really refreshing. So, um, mm. thank you so much for joining us today. And this has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. I'm Jacob with uh, first-time co-ring official first-time co-wrangler Berta Gutierrez, the who's long our time team. Fan. Yeah, long-time fan. <laughs> long-time listener. Yeah. That's it. I was That's like, it. what is it? What's the, English, right. what's the English saying for that? <laughs> I get confused. And shout out to the rest of the team. That it is not right here right now. That it is Allison, Jose, and Ashley with their little dog Raven and their little human baby Sebastian. <laughs> and Dwayne like inviting me most of the time. All right. Giddy up. <laughs>